Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Advice from a Call Center Geek, the Call Center Contact Center podcast. We try to give you some actionable items to take back in your contact center, improve the overall quality, hopefully improve the agent experience and the customer experience as well. My name is Tom Laird. I'm the CEO here at Expedia Interaction Marketing, where about a 650 seat call center outsourcer now located here in uh, in the states in, in northwestern Pennsylvania. And when we talk about actionable items to take back in your contact center, I think we have an episode today um, that's going to really get at the at the heart of that. So before I begin, just as always, we are on a uh, on LinkedIn Live. Um, so if you ha- guys have any questions, any comments on that, we'll pick you up there. I'm also on TikTok Live as well. So any questions coming through on TikTok that are um, I think helpful to the discussion. We'll, we'll throw them up here as well. I have a guest today from, from a value agent. Chris Mounts is a QA expert, um, has been in the contact center for his, the majority of his life has really focused on, you know, the coaching aspect and, and has developed some really, I think, good tips, tactics, techniques that we're going to talk about today from not only just coaching and improving your coaching, but the scorecard, um, all the things that I think are, are very core to the, to, to making contact centers better. We've, we've here in the podcast, we've kind of gotten away from this, right? Chris and I were, were talking before. Yeah. So much has happened in technology, right? With, with chat GPT and, and all this stuff that people have questions that I think even the podcast has maybe wandered. So we're, we're using this one here to, to kind of focus back into your contact center and into some of the things that I think can, can really be beneficial to everyone from that, that experienced contact center agent to the new supervisor, um, to that person in QA who maybe experienced or just starting out in in, in their their contact center journey. But Chris, I want to uh, welcome you to uh, the Advice from a Call Center Geek podcast. Why don't you give a quick uh, couple minutes or a minute here on on just a little background and uh, and we'll get yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, to um, for you. Thanks for having me on, Tom. I'm, I'm super excited about having this conversation um, today because QA is such a an emotive topic. Um, and you know, so yeah, yeah. Chris Mount from from Evaluation, and I'm based in the in the west coast of Scotland. Hence the the funny accent. No, really, um, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Everyone tells me I've got an accent, but I, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've um, yeah, you're right. So I've been around contact centres um, for you know the majority of of my career. Um, started as an agent, and I think that's that's kind of the same story for a lot of people that find themselves yeah. in the the, the contact centre world, right? Um, but when I found myself in coaching and, and QA, I kind of knew that that was the place that I needed to be. And, you know, what's interesting is a, a specific moment that I attribute to that fact. 
and you know, to be honest, I only had this realization fairly recently. And it was back when when I was 19 and I was working for, for the city, you know, a local authority and a, a small office. And it was my job to answer the phone. You know, and that was the call center. It was one job, sorry, one phone, um, one phone number and, you know, one person answering. And, and that was me. And I'd only been there, um, I think it was a few weeks. It wasn't long. So I really had no clue what, what I was doing. And I remember answering the phone one day to a, a very, very angry customer who, you know, unleashed his fury to me. You know, it was both barrels, proper shouting. And, you know, he knew that I didn't know what I was doing, you know, which didn't really help, you know, because, you know, you know when, and it, it doesn't help. You just get angrier and angrier when you're that that customer. But when he got tired of of shouting, he passed his phone to his wife, who'd done the exact same thing before before passing back to him. And, you know, it was awful. You know, and, and I don't remember what it was about. That's the thing. But what I do remember is how, how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the adrenaline was pumping. I, I could feel my heart beating in my chest. I could hear it. Um, hands all clammy and things. And the phone that I was using, you know, that was, you know, I was back when I was 19. So it was one step up from a, a rotary phone. Um, and there was no tech on that phone. It was literally just a push to mute button. And I pressed that and asked, asked the room, anyone in the room for help. And you know, everyone ignored me. Not one person lifted their head to to help. And meanwhile, that customer, he he could hear that click of the button. You know, when you put it on mute, you just yeah. hear that little click. Um, so you can imagine how you know he reacted when he realized I had put him in mute. Not the best way to handle a call, admittedly, but gosh, that was that was that was awful. And the thing is, I marked that as a significant event as to why I find myself in, in coaching and, and learning and development, I would never see anybody ask for help like that and, you know, have it ignored. Now, I will say the customer, he, he did call back up, right, and apologise or, you know, so I was told. That, that was just maybe to make me feel better. But in the grand scale of things, he he done me a favour. That was that was significant, that interaction. And this is where I find myself in, in coaching. It's It makes a difference to people, and that's the key thing. Yeah, no, you're right. I think it is. It's a little bit almost like a lifeline, right? When when you have somebody who is either the leader um, or that QA person or that person who has the experience who can kind of put their hand out, right? And and not only only help with that call, but then also, you know, kind of give you the skills that you know, you know, what to do as 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 these things progress so that the next time that you have that that irate customer, you know, things can be a little bit different. But Chris, let's start this. I mean, I, there's so many things that we want to talk about today. I, I think, you know, one of the the big things that I get a lot of questions on is is, and even when we have a new BPO client that comes into us that has never set up their QA, and so one of the mm-hmm. first things that we talk about is is a scorecard or some type of scoring mechanism, um, and everybody has their their kind of take on it from you know just doing things in Excel to creating you know real robust type things with AI and and kind of that, that that whole thing in between. But can can we start with just maybe some of the do's, some of the don'ts, some of the things that you've seen work really, really well when it when, when a, a yeah, yeah. somebody is setting up their scorecard from a from a QA standpoint, from a quality standpoint. Yeah, totally. I mean the thing is when we talk about um quality assurance, there's there's a maturity curve. And you alluded to that um just just there, Tom. Um it's essentially a journey that organizations are are on when it comes to QA. And everyone is at different stages, but it all starts with with spreadsheets, doesn't it? Excel's played a huge part in QA yep. over over the years. 
Um, now, spreadsheets, they're, they're okay in the beginning, you know, but they can become difficult to work with, especially as, as the contact centre scales and grows. And that's where, you know, when dedicated QA software platforms, you know, like EvaluAgent come in, you can empower your teams with, with manual QA and, you know, facilitate a culture of continuous improvement and using automated workflows and integrations. And then there's that next step. You mentioned this, you know, moving into analytics and, and auto QA to, to further reduce risk and improve efficiencies. And then there's that last step where you're engaging all of your users to act on the data. You know, you're reporting on manual and auto QA results in a way that empowers and encourages both leaders and agents to act. So it's connecting everything together all in the one platform. But the thing is, regardless of where a contact centre is on that journey, the scorecard is a common factor of any QA programme. And, you know, it's known by you know many names, you know, scorecard, monitoring sheet, um, matrix, grid. But ultimately, it's a, a clear and concise way to, to track elements that are important and allows for quick identification of areas that are performing well. And of course, areas that need improvement. So it's helping you focus your QA efforts and, and drive performance improvement. So it's pretty important. And the thing is, I don't think there's any doubt anywhere as to how important it is. And I think perhaps that's why sometimes there's an urge to get every single thing that you can think of into that scorecard. And right. you know what? I get it. You know, if it's in the scorecard, you can you can measure it and you can report on it. But it comes at a cost though. You know, the bigger your scorecard is, the longer it's going to take to do manual QA on it. You know, auto QA is, is different, but we can touch on that later. Um, but I came across a scorecard fairly recently, and it had over 150 line items or questions on it. And, you know, I don't know about you, Tom, but that's a record for me. Um, <laughs> that's, that's long. You know, and, and I remember looking through it. Um, it was on a spreadsheet, and I was just scrolling and scrolling. I felt like I was never getting to the end of it. And... You know, I can't even imagine the amount of time that it would take to, to actually score an interaction. Now, the thing is, if every piece of insight that was gotten from that scorecard, you know, those 150 plus questions, if that was truly valuable and actionable, then, you know, I guess based on where they were in the maturity curve, it would be justified. But that's a perfect example of outgrowing a spreadsheet. You know, the requirements are becoming more complex. There's, there's more data needed. There's more insight it's becoming a monster. And the longer that it takes to score with it, it means that your QA coverage on your conversations gets gets smaller. You know, with a manual process, you typically have between um, one and 5% coverage of your conversations. That's all the conversations that are happening between customers and agents. And you can't really afford to have that percentage being any smaller than it Mm -hmm. already is. Um, So it's definitely worthwhile putting in time and forethought into the creation of a scorecard because it means that you'll end up with a tool that that gives you invaluable data. And if you're monitoring and analyzing that data on a regular basis, you can continually identify areas for improvement and make adjustments, which ultimately leads to better performance and and higher levels of um, customer satisfaction. But when it comes to your your scorecard, the line items or the, the questions um, the things that you're measuring there, what ensures that the scorecard's effective and driving quality performance. So, you know, you need to identify the, the right things to measure. Now, a good place to start is to identify the, the overall objectives of the, the contact centre. You know, it seems seems a good place to start. Yeah. Um, 
so this will help you ensure that the, the, the scorecard is focused on the most important areas and that it's actually aligned with the, you know, your goals and priorities. Now, a, a scorecard, any scorecard is going to give you an outcome, right? You know, a quality score, regardless of the line items that they make it up. So you want to make sure that those metrics are a true representation of quality in your contact centre. Because if they're not, you know, the results and the overall programme becomes devalued and it becomes a tick box exercise. And that's the worst thing a QA programme right. can be, is tick box. Um, but the trouble is, the senior stakeholders, they'll still look at that figure as being the truth, uh, rightly or wrongly. So I think there's there's a few things that you can do to help identify what should be on your, your scorecard. You know, you can gather feedback from your, your stakeholders, uh, team members, managers, your customers. Understanding your customers' needs will help you identify areas that are most important to them, and you can tailor your, your scorecard to suit. Now, Tom, I don't know if you've seen this this, this line item before, but um, I've seen this a few times where the scorecard question is, you know, did the agent use the customer's name three times during the call? Right. And really, how important is that to the customer, you know, that you use the name three times? Um you know, speaking as a customer, you know, I absolutely like having great rapport with an agent, which, you know, does include using using my name. But I'm not fussed if it's used three times. Do you know? Plus, if yeah. you're trying to force it, then it's going to have the opposite effect because it feels fake. And Chris, let me let me let me kind of jump in here too. I think, you know, I I've done a couple videos, like I mean, this is the perfect timing for it, where I, I kind of personally call it false hustle. Right. Where coaching, I I coach basketball and, you know, we, we have kids that, you know, they're in the wrong spot. They're not where they should be, but they are given maximum effort. They're trying, they're right. They're diving when they shouldn't like, and again, I've kind of labeled that as false hustle. And it kind of like when you go to a QA scorecard and I hear, you know, that I have to thank the customer after every single piece of information, right? So can I please have your last name? Thank you. Can I have your last four digit social? Thank you. Like all of those types of things that, to your point, that C-level executive thinks is what creates good customer experience can actually be the total detriment. And if we're scoring that and holding our reps to that standard, that becomes a huge detriment to the whole CX process. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, like thanking um, the customer after every piece of information. When you, and I think it's, I don't know if it's maybe just our ears are trained to pick up in these things, but I remember, this was a few years ago, um, we were in a, a restaurant and I was there with another QA colleague, interestingly, so um, we picked up in this immediately. When the waitress came over to, you know, take our order and, and um, you know, bring drinks and food and things, Every time, literally every single time you said thank you to her, she would respond with you're welcome. Which, you know, that's that's a great thing to respond to when somebody thanks you. But we picked up that any time that it was said, she would right. respond with that. So we made it a point of saying it as much as possible. And like clockwork, you know, I'll give her credit. You know, she stuck to that repertoire. But every single time it was you're welcome, you're welcome. Yeah. And it had the you know, we made a joke of it, but it had the potential to have the opposite effect as to, you know, as to what she was looking for if you overuse it and it becomes a, a fake trigger, you know, a false hustle. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Chris, how do you, like even setting up, I understand. So now we're going to look at, you know, what what's important to to our business, to our customers. You know, you know, most people, I'm a, I mean, how we would do it, right, is we kind of set it up to the flow of the call, try to find those, you know, whether it is the kind of the opening 
whether we're trying to verify information, if there's any type of cross-sell, upsell. How are you – what are some recommendations for kind of segmenting the different areas of the call to make sure that we're hitting the, the everything but not everything, if you know what I mean, like what, what you said with yeah. 155 different pieces? Well, well, that's the thing. It's it's making it you know as as easy as possible to actually evaluate um, your 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 conversations. If you're spending two hours evaluating a conversation, that's it's inefficient. But ultimately, it's about getting the balance between customer and, and business needs. It's you know about making customers feel valued. If you get that right, you know the customer senses that. It's not about saying their name three times. They'll pick up that you know they're feeling valued. They'll feel it and they'll be happy and they'll they'll be confident. Now, the other side of that is, of course, the business needs. Now, if that agent is making the customer feel great, but not doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, you know, in the back office, not ticking the right boxes, not, you know, processing the right systems for the customer, they might come away feeling great. But if the agent hasn't done everything, then it's not going to happen for them. And ultimately, they'll they'll feel let down. They'll be disappointed in, you know, in the process and in the organization long term. And, you know, have to call, you know, get back in touch, right. you know, so there's that, that repeated contact. So it's that constant balance. And what we've seen certainly is that when clients focus too much around the customer measurement without enough focus in business process, you know, the calls do sound great, but there is that high level of repeat contacts. You know, we see that a lot. Um, and that's, that's the worst thing, worst feeling when you have to phone, um, you know, back into a contact center because yeah. whatever they promised, it didn't happen. Um, it's, it's a tough one. But the other things that we've seen, especially in regulated industries, is where it's all about the process. You know, mm-hmm. there's hardly any measurement on soft skills. And as a result, you know, you might be doing everything right, but, you know, the customers are going to be coming off those calls feeling like they've been talking to a robot. And that's, you know, it's that's, that's an awful experience. It's not a good customer experience. That's, um, and it's, it, it, it's to, to your point there too. It's it's to find what is right, and I think that's the big question that that so many people have. Right? Is is the that everybody thinks that the, we should be saying the thank yous and and kind of the you know kind of going through that fake process, the the fake empathy, right? But if we did that, the rep did it. Great job. Check their scorecard, right? Compared to the real world scenario that I think you're you're kind of talking about there too. I think I think that that totally makes sense. Let's move on to that because I think that's that's the other piece of this is all right, we kind of have the scorecard. We kind of have the thoughts around, you know, what what we should put on um, thinking that through. But once we score call um, and that, that, that call either goes to the floor or let's start with – I want to get into some coaching things and some coaching tips that that you have that, you know, we talked about that I think are, are – are really valuable to everybody here. But the first one we kind of disagree on, but I'm going to let you state your case here. Um, when you go, when we talked about who should do the actual coaching, right? Should it be that QA person? Um, should it go to the supervisor who should do it? You know, in, in your opinion, you know, how should that work? If once we have that, that scorecard, that, that QA monitoring form completed, there's some opportunities for improvement. I love that coaching lingo, right? Um, and also known as the rep screwed up and we got to fix it. Yeah. Uh, who should do the actual coaching? Let's start there. And then let's get into what some of some of the things that we, we can help with coaching. So it's, you know, it's interesting. And this is a cool thing about QA. There's, there's so many different ways to do things and everyone's got their, you know, their valid opinions. And that's what I love about it. Because um, you can take all the good things from all the different parts and make a make an awesome process, I guess. But for me, um, and that, you know, speaking from from personal experience, 
if I was handed uh, uh, an evaluation, you know, a scorecard, and it had all the, you know, all the scores and, and all the feedback, and I was then to take that and deliver a coaching conversation around the back of that, I would find it difficult because it wasn't me that, you know, that listened to the call. It wasn't me that made the decision, you know, so you're almost speaking for, for someone else. Right. Now, if, if, so my feeling is, is that wherever possible, and it's, it's, this is a difficulty. There's always resource and, you know, um, segmentation of teams and so forth. But wherever possible, if you score the contact, if you've made that decision, if you've listened to it, if you've, you know, based on the guidelines in that scorecard, you've scored that conversation and gave the feedback, it makes sense that you then deliver that that coaching conversation. You know, if the, the agent has, has has had some some difficulty on um say objection handling, you can understand what happened in that that call. You gave the feedback. I just feel as if you can have that that deeper connection with the agent where we are talking through that that you know through the coaching points. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. And again, I always found it difficult getting that 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 document um asking me to coach. Nine out of ten times I would have to listen to that call, um, which kind of negates the work that was done by the the actual evaluator. And then what would you say to you know, there's a, there's a huge difference, right, in the in this between coaching the actual agent and then giving feedback from the call. And I think a lot of times we yeah. we confuse both of them, or we hit on one but don't hit on the other, and think that we did both of them. Um, mm. If that makes sense. So, can you maybe talk about what what you think coaching the difference between coaching and feedback, and and kind of how we should, you know, kind of maybe maneuver yeah. that a little bit. Feedback is it's. It's interesting because I think it's it's something that a lot of people can dread, you know, both receiving the feedback and actually giving the feedback. Um, and I think, you know, depending on the the, the culture and attitude towards um, a QA program, it can actually lead people to believe that if they're getting feedback, then they've done something wrong. You know, it may be that the, the only time that feedback is given is when mistakes have been made. And, you know, I've, I've seen this before where the very word of feedback is so so much negative connotation attached mm-hmm. to it. It's it's dreaded, you know, so the, the meaning of feedback's lost um, completely. But the thing is, the expectation can also be, if that's the, the culture in, in your QA program where feedback's, you know, dreaded, the expectation can also be the, the one-to-one coaching session that follows that. It's about going over all of those things that, that have been done wrong. Um, and the thing is, in that scenario, agents will begin into those coaching sessions, you know, dreading it you know with their defenses up and as a coach you know you'd be dreading that as well there's no good going to come out of those sessions but you know without feedback then you know agents they'll just carry on doing what they're doing and think everything is fine then when that feedback eventually does come and it's not positive they're absolutely right to to be defensive and wonder why they weren't told before now feedback and coaching they are they're so important important tools to keep agents on track and improve performance. Then when it comes to the difference between the two, um, feedback is about the past and current behaviours, and coaching is about the future behaviour. I like that. Coaching, yeah, that's cool. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. when, when when we're talking about feedback, it's feedback on something that's, that's occurred. Coaching is about, you know, developing that and changing that behaviour to learn from the feedback. Um, coaching helps, helps the agent grow, and feedback is more about helping them not fail. But both... Yeah are about supporting agents to succeed. That's always the aim with anything in the, the people improvement workflows. It's about making agents the best that they can be. 
And, you know, I, I liked when we were talking, you know, a pre, pre-call here, pre-podcast and, and just kind of saying, hey, what could add the most value to everybody? And I really liked when, when you were talking about and, and we as a group were talking about coaching as a skill, right? So this is, this is you know, the, the big mistake that probably the number one thing when, when you have a great associate, right, does a really good job. We have a spot open as a supervisor or in QA, however you're, you're kind of set up. We give them that role. And just say, okay, here, and then go coach that agent without kind of any any type of, of skill work with that. Um, can you? What are some of the things that that we can do as as call center managers when we do have that newer newer agent to try to start to give them the tools that they need to become a good coach? Yeah, I mean, it's that it's it's really common, isn't it? You know, high performing agents they are promoted into QA teams right. to to evaluate and coaching. It's it's great. I, I love to see that that happening. It's as a coach when you see your you know your agent develop into those roles. That's that's a good feeling. Um, that's that's a win. Um, but the trouble is, it can be bumpy in the beginning because taking calls and, and handling customer interactions and having that skill, you know, the the unique skills that call center agents have. That's that's one thing. But coaching is a completely different skill set. Um, one of the key things that I think you need in your coaching sessions is a structure. Without that structure, then you know you don't have any control over the conversation. Um, and can you can you talk a little bit about that the the structure that that you kind of recommend, or or maybe some areas that people can 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 begin to build some structure into how they do their coaching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know that's the interesting thing. And in, in terms of how I came to this this realization. Um, because typically when you move into, you know, like a a, a new role, you know, whether that be coaching or or whatever, you kind of find a mentor and you you just sort of kind of follow them. Um where I sort of kind of developed the, the majority of my coaching skills, where I realized the power of you know having the structure and um using specialized coaching techniques or questioning techniques it was actually through volunteering with a with a charity now i think you guys have actually got something in the, the states um in relation to it was a samaritan's charity um they are there to help people that are going through severe emotional distress so i volunteered as a as a listening volunteer a crisis volunteer to understand and it started off with um i wanted to understand what would happen in the situation where someone contacted our call centre and said that they were struggling, you know, real emotional distress, because whatever process was, was refer them to, to Samaritans. And I wanted to understand what happened because that, that was the question that we would be getting as coaches, what happens next? And I didn't know. So I joined Samaritans to understand what happened and what the process was, and it opened up a, a whole a whole world of... Um, been able to to support people in a completely different way, and these skills were completely transferable into coaching, which was was really cool. Um, because ultimately, as a as a, a Samaritan, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give advice to anyone. You know, your own advice. You wouldn't give your own opinion. You would ask the right questions in order to you know let the person explore the options that they had for their their specific situation. And it was just so cool, um, so powerful. And those skills, they followed me ever since. It's literally made me a better person. Um, but thinking about, you know, the, the the actual conversations in terms of coachings, uh, coaching, there's a quite common a, a, a common um, scenario, certainly in the beginning, where you're coaching someone, you're feeling you, and the agent is just talking nonstop. 
you know, and not even about what you were planning to focus on. It's just, you know, continuous. And right. I can certainly remember just sitting there in that coaching session thinking, this is way off track. You know, how am I going to bring this back? And, you know, 10 minutes later, you would, but that's 10 minutes that you're you're not yeah. going back. We've all been there with that, for sure. And that's it. That's it. And it's a learning curve for everyone. I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. And, you know, with the best toolkit in the world, you know, you make mistakes. We're human. It's, it's one of those things. We, we learn from that. Um, but in terms of the coaching conversation, the coachee does have an element of control in the conversation. And by that, I mean that, you ask, or us as coaches ask, a specific type of question that allows them to answer openly. So as coaches, we need to manage the conversation, and a coaching conversation model can can help with that. Now, there's there's lots of models out there. I mean, you know, just hit in Google, there's there's a long list. Um, you can have Oscar, Clear, Fuel, um, Whoop, which, you know, it's, it sounds good, but my favourite is Grow. You know, G is, is Goal. You know, you start off with the end in mind. Then you move on to our reality, and this is where the the agent is at that moment in time. Then it's exploring the options for O um, to achieve that goal, and then it's agreeing the 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 way forward. And the thing is, these are all loosely similar. It's about finding the one that suits your your conversation style. And I don't like to complicate things, so you know, grow suits me just fine. So having the coaching model that's that's going to give you a structure, but. It's not much use if you don't know what to say or or ask. And that's one of the most common questions that, that I hear. You know, if I can't just tell the agent what they've done wrong, what is it I actually say? Um, and the thing is, if, you're, if you've got a model and all of that sort of thing and you still don't know what to say, then, you know, you simply switch to default mode. And that default mode is, it's a telling exercise. We just tell the agent, you know, what they need to do differently next time. And, you know, like we were, were talking there, we've all done that at some point, we're human, but you kick yourself afterwards, right? And, you know, the thing is, for me, it was as soon as the words left left my mouth, it was like, oh, I don't believe it. You know, I've, I've, I didn't want to do that, but it's one of those things that you learn, isn't it? Yeah, no, for sure. What, I, I love the grow method. I think that, that that was really helpful. And I think, you know, coming up with your own kind of structure with that, again, everybody has their own different personality, right? So to, to, to kind of come up with, yeah. with with that one structure could be a little bit difficult, but so I, I, I like what you just, you kind of talked about there. I think that that's extremely valuable. What, well, what do you think, what, what do you think, I'm sorry, not there, but the role of role playing into this as well. Um, like how, how do you, I mean, how does that fit into to the structure that you utilize? Do you use that a lot? I mean, we use, utilize it a ton, you know, and, and kind of flip it back and forth. Right when you kind of get to the instead of just saying doing right and and, yeah. and looking at at the different aspects of oh you know what I kind of see what you're talking about there when you see it I mean what is your feel on role playing and and, and utilizing that that technique as well Do you know it's I like it it's a, it's a really good technique um, to be able to because you can control that scenario because ultimately you're looking for the agent to 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 get a specific um, something specific out of that so you can very much you know engineer the the scenario to get that that outcome and it's it's a win-win in that respect um the one thing though that, that i certainly learned um when it came to to role play you need to be able to have a have built up a good relationship with that coachee you know you need to they need to be able to trust you because you can feel a little bit silly sometimes you know all of a sudden right. you're, you're in that you know I'll, I'll be the customer and you be the you be the agent and vice versa um so having that that that, that relationship and that trust 
um, in that report. That's that's key in that stage. But I, I used that a ton. I, I really did, um, particularly where um, an agent would struggle to to adapt a new way of, of of speaking. You know, for example, running commentary and a and a phone conversation. You know, where the idea was is you avoided dead air. You know, mm-hmm. so it was about filling that with with relevant conversation. And one of the things that I found that some people were just experts at it. They could talk, you know, all day long. You tended to find that these were the guys that would talk their legs off in the coaching conversation. But there was other people that struggled with, you know, small talk or they needed to focus on the, you know, what they were doing on the system to, you know, to make sure that it was the, the right outcomes. So role playing that scenario where they could try out some ideas with, you know, no risk. That was yeah. that was super valuable, and that's the key thing. Role play definitely reduces the the risk, and um, you know lets the agent spread their wings a little bit. But trust is as important to for them to get the best out of it. I think. Before we get into kind of the the technology piece here, I, the one thing I wanted to talk about too when when you were talking, um, you know, about feedback, right? And and you know sometimes the rep can be like, oh man, like let's here it comes again, right? <laughs> You know, one of the things I think that needs to be, and, and anybody who follows me has, has kind of me heard this say as well as, you know, is, is kind of coach and, and do that feedback privately, right? But when somebody does something great too, right, this, it shouldn't be just that, right? We have to announce that. Like it's, it's, it's celebrate publicly and then kind of coach and give feedback privately so you're not embarrassing anybody. But when somebody does something good, you know, I think that that can be, you know, you got to temper those things where not every time that I'm going to talk to you, it's going to be bad. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's, it's when we're celebrating these successes, we should be shouting it from the, the, the rooftops. Um, when it's, when we're looking at constructive feedback, that's, that's super easy to, you know, your, your radar picks up immediately the minute that, you, you know, you hear something in a call that they needed to be done differently. I think we get complacent sometimes, Tom, where, um, that the, the good elements just slip under the radar and we don't highlight them and we absolutely should be. Um because as an agent, you you want to you want to know you're doing a good job. And yeah, yeah, you get your you know your evaluation results and you can have a conversation, but everyone loves that reward and recognition. Um so yeah, I mean that's that's where the the um it's so important to be able to highlight the, the cool stuff that agents do. Because you know make no mistake and you know we all appreciate this in the contact center world. Agents are unsung heroes. They they are you know amazing at what they do, and it's, we need to celebrate that. Um, yeah. The skills the agents the agents right. develop they are they'll be with them for life, and that's such a cool thing. Um, people outside the contact center world, I don't think quite understand it, but agents they are they are proper cool. No, for sure. Um, all right, let's talk. Let's move into where everybody's kind of at now. And, and I want to get your opinion and kind of your company's opinion as well is because I think you guys are experts in, in this world and, and kind of the seeing the fusion, right? The, the now we're, we're moving away from the Excel scorecard and kind of the, those types of things and moving to somebody who's maybe, I don't want to say they have a more mature organization, but, but they're ready to have technology come in and, and have a play. So I have a couple questions on this for you guys or for, for you, Chris, but let, let's start first with, you know, I'm a big analytics guy. Um, I'm a big sentiment analysis guy. Um, you know, believe in in sentiment even more than getting into you know NPS and CSAT and those types of things. Can you can you talk about kind of where maybe QA is now, and, and especially maybe talk about a little bit on your platform as well from the AI standpoint and the analytics mm-hmm. standpoint, 
and kind of how we can correlate, maybe start to correlate, you know, sentiment with, with QA scores is one more important than the other. Do we see them melding together? How do you kind of just make maybe an overarching technology of QA with, with kind of the old school way and, and where, where are we with that? Yeah. Do you know, it's, it's, it's a super exciting time and, you know, like you, uh, the embrace technology, you know, the things that, that, that it does, it excites me. Um, and, QA, you know, the things that is happening in QA when it comes to um, you know, AI and the the and, and auto and the automation, it's it's super exciting. It's gonna change the way that, that that we work, I believe, you know, for the better. Because when we think about that that traditional approach to, to QA, you know, you're randomly sampling, you know, like a, a small fraction mm-hmm. of the conversations. You know, that that one to five percent is such a small percentage. So there's ninety-five percent of the conversations that are just being left unchecked and really you know there's the huge potential to miss high risk um conversations reputation damaging conversations so the cool thing about um qa is those foundational elements the the purpose always remains the same you know finding a conversation scoring them but as technology evolves it gives us a smarter more efficient way of working and that's where you know sentiment um and, and analytics are, are auto qa can really supercharge the way that, that we work. You know, you can increase that conversation coverage from, you know, that that 5% to 100% and drastically increase, increase your chances of finding the needle in the haystack. Because if you think about it, if you're getting that 100%, 100% coverage, I can look at all of the conversations that are happening in the contact centre and I can understand broadly what they're all about because topics that I've built to look for, you know, combinations of, of words and phrases, which if they're said at the right time and in the, the right combination, it suggests something about the conversation. You know, is there a suggestion of customer vulnerability? Was empathy present? Uh, was there negative sentiment? Did the customer talk about a complaint? Did the agent take ownership? So with that process happening across 100% of conversations, you know more about what's going on. But the key thing here is... What you do with that data, you know that that insight needs to be actionable. Um, because if you and this is you're leading to this, Tom, in terms of um, organisations that are maybe you know higher up in the maturity curve, they are utilising auto QA. And you know the reason that, that that we talk about you know the different stages in that maturity curve is if you're coming from spreadsheets, for example, and then you're turning on full full auto QA, it can potentially be overload. You know, all of a sudden you're getting, you know, reams and reams of data that you don't know what to do with. Right. Um, so that's why it's, it's building up the, the different levels so that when you're ready for it, it's not so overwhelming and you get full value. Um, Chris, what is, what is, speaking of this, what, what is auto QA? Like, like for everybody, right? Can we, like how, because I get this question a ton and, and I have my kind of way of, of kind of talking it through, but love to hear the answer you give, right? of maybe where we are right now with that to, to, to where we're going with that. But yeah, you know, everybody thinks like, I'm going to just create a scorecard and it's going to literally come out with numbers and score perfectly. I mean, we're, we're kind of more higher arching things like, like you just talked about there than, than getting to that level. Um, do you ever see us moving to with a chat GPT or some type of integration that, or technology that you guys would have right to, to be able to just literally, Every every call is getting scored, right? From 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 almost the human being type of score instead of kind of that high end kind of, you know, did they kind of do this? Was their tone right? Those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's auto auto cue is is 
is an amazing bit of technology because ultimately, you know, where you're getting that 100 100% coverage, every contact that's that's coming in um, into your contact center that's that's been analysed. So with calls, they are they're transcribed into a text format, and then with the topics that you're you're looking for, so you're maybe looking to um, you've got a topic for say complaint, empathy, um, vulnerability. The platform would utilise a complex word and phrase um, search engine to look for those combinations of words. So when those topics are then applied onto the conversation, you've you've got that that deep understanding of what's happening in the the contact centre. Now with that information, you can deploy what we call auto QA scorecards. Now this is where, based on the topic, so if you have a complaint, for example, you can create a specific auto QA scorecard on complaints that will automatically deploy when that, that type of conversation happens. Very so cool. imagine that across you know, 100% of your conversations. That's giving you a, a heck of a lot of data. Now, the cool thing um, is that it's never intended to replace the manual elements. It's there mm-hmm. to supercharge them because what you can then do with that data is look for those high-risk conversations rather than just being random. So I can look for conversations that contain complaint, for example, but additionally, conversations that have also failed the auto QA scorecard on on complaints so when that then gets to the manual um, the manual QA to evaluate they can um, check through that 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 scoring they can add deep actionable feedback to enrich that coaching conversation and that's the key thing it's about um, enriching the coaching um, and giving the 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 agent what they need but when you mentioned chat GPT Tom this is something that I'm super excited about um, we are working on um, releasing smart score um, at, at evaluation and this is essentially powered by chat GPT and the cool thing is is the way that we are that we are we're looking at this is that it's a co-pilot for for evaluators so it can go through that pro- through that process of um, tagging conversations with relevant topics um, but additionally it can score conversations in the moment so essentially you click the button it will score the conversations based on how you've told it to score. When you build your scorecard, you build in the prompts and tell it how to score. Um, yeah, it will then produce reasons as to why it scored it in that particular way and coaching insights as well. So if you think about the time that you spend, you know, marking through all the, the conversations, ticking the box, and ultimately, again, we're, we're human. So if you've got 100 of those to do, you cannot give the same level of attention to every single one of those you know, your attention levels start to go down. Um, but with having that that co-pilot, you can get those those rich insights to then drive the coaching conversations. If you're struggling to know what to talk about in your coaching conversations, those insights are there to are there to help. Um, it's it's really, really exciting because really the the people improvement parts, that's the key thing in, yeah. in QA. QA, the, the evaluation element, it's a means to an end. Um, but you use that data to drive the, the people improvement, you know, the, the coaching and, and performance managing managing agents to ultimately drive up that that performance. Um, it's very exciting. Um, it's, it's absolutely going to change the way that they were working QA um, by feeding love, up that time. I love how you talk about the, you know, think about that, like 100% of your calls going through that type of a process, the amount of yeah. data that you would be getting. It's almost like we have to rethink everything. We have to rethink kind of how the how the process will work, right? Between, you know, just picking the right ones, picking maybe, you know, the, the I don't say high value or high issue type calls, 
Um, but then also finding the really, really good calls. That's going to be very easy to exactly. do as well, right? To, to try exactly. to kind of balance that. Um, so no, it, it is. It's, it's almost like, I don't want to say one step forward, two steps back, because that's not right. It's probably five steps forward maybe. And then we have to just reevaluate a little bit on, on what we're doing because there's so much really exciting thing. I love how you're, you're kind of the first company I've seen to really articulate that extremely well um, with, with some of the things that, that are coming. So I'm going to, let me give you the, the, the quick kind of, before we kind of wrap this up, um, you guys are going to be at call and contact center expo, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. So next week we'll be, we'll be over in Vegas. Okay. I will be there too. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be hanging out with these guys. So if anybody, you know, listening in the next week or so before that happens, make sure you come and, and, and check these guys out, see all the things that they have. But, and I want to just kind of end with that. Can you, you know, talk about, you know, the, Evaluation. Talk about your company role in, in kind of a high level. What are some of the things that you guys are? I know you just touched on a ton of things that you're really excited about, but you know, what is kind of your core offering, and and what are some of the things that you think can add value to a to a potential customer? Yeah, I mean, when it when it comes to to, to evaluation, I guess you know we are we're extremely user obsessed, Tom. You know, we are we're experts in the contact center field, and we know the use cases, and you know, we know how to make you know QA better. And, and faster, but not sacrificing quality because you know we've lived it. And one of the one of the and, and I always mention this, you know, I, I never intend to. But before before I joined the business, before I joined Evalu Agent, um, I used Evalu Agent, you know, the platform and and my contact center, and you know, I fell in love with it. Um, the difference that it made, and it just opened opened my eyes. And when the opportunity came up to join Evalu Agent, you know, I, I jumped at it. You know, talking about QA all day every day was. What could be better? Um, but in terms of what the platform does, is it's a series of of connected workflows. That's that's one of the the, the major benefits. Um, you're able to um, bring all of your contacts into into the platform into the one place. You're able to easily um, take those contacts, make those selections, whether that's specific contacts or um, a kind of more randomized selection. Get them through to your evaluators. Um, Scorecard Builder is super user friendly, and you know the things that we touched on when we're talking about scorecard building. Um, you can utilize all of those features to um, score and evaluate your contacts in a really, really efficient way. One of the things that we saw with um, a, a customer coming from spreadsheets using um, the, the 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 scoring method that we use in Evaluation, they saw productivity increase by two hundred eighty five percent. You know that's 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 massive. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, the way that the, the, the QA is done and the evaluations feed into rich reporting. So you're able to report on you know any level of your business um, at any point, real time, to understand the, the, the quality of performance in your, your organization. But it's how it all feeds seamlessly into people improvement. Um, you can pick up one-to-ones directly from reports. You can track all of that. There's the agent engagement element where um, agents can acknowledge, they can query, they can appeal evaluations. And that all feeds into one-to-ones and e-learning as well. So there's a fully functional um, LMS and value agent um, that utilizes smart triggers to automatically deploy um, e-learning when performance dips in specific areas. Um, it's such a, a, a huge platform um, and I could genuinely talk about it all day. <laughs> well, I love <laughs> how you, you were a customer who then joined the company. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that that says a lot. Chris, um, any social media that that you want to throw out there for anybody who would like to follow you? Twitter on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on on LinkedIn. You'll just find me under under Chris Mounds. 
And Chris, Chris is going to be doing, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm announcing this for Chris because he's such an expert in this, but over the coming next weeks and months, he's going to be doing a bunch of stuff on QA uh, from a content standpoint. So make sure that, that you are following him. Make sure you guys follow a value agent. I think there's going to be a lot of really cool things that they're going to be putting out as well. So Chris, thank you so much. Um, again, yeah. it's, it feels so good to get back to the core of, of the contact center and, and trying to help the on-floor agent, the supervisor, the QA person, the, the call center manager do their job more efficiently, do it better, give them more confidence. And I think hopefully with the the podcast and the, the a lot of the tips that you talked about today, you know, we are able to do that with, with a lot of people out there. Please make sure uh, anybody listening now too, if you are going to call and contact center expo, um, I'll be walking the floor, say hi to me, but make sure you guys go out, see a demo, check their booth out. Um, yeah, please stop very, by. Very cool yeah. stuff. Coming over from the from the UK too. So all the way know, over from sunny yeah. Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you guys next week.